You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. Hello there, beautiful people. Welcome to the Master Coaching with Other Podcast. In this very special episode, I am taking your questions. Questions that have been sent to me through social media channels or through Telegram chat groups from our students. So for the next 20 minutes, I'll be answering some very burning questions that have been sent to me. The first question is, what if you were starting today? What would you do differently knowing today's modern times? The first thing that I would do differently is I would stop holding myself back so much. I would stop looking at other people to really tell me what I should be doing. What I learned through my experience of building coaching businesses fairly quickly and fairly successfully is that the only thing that matters when you are starting a coaching business is your relationship with other people. So the first thing that I would do is focus my attention towards one strategy and one strategy only, and that is to connect with people, to engage in real meaningful conversations, to be able to coach as powerfully as I can in any moment, in any given situation, and be able to further that conversation and hope for a client to enroll because of the impact I was able to have in a meaningful conversation with them. The second thing that I would do differently is I would always challenge myself on what am I pricing myself at and how comfortable and confident I am in my pricing. You see, many times you will see coaches tell you increase your prices or they'll tell you decrease your prices, but neither of them is based on feeling. They are based on some arbitrary data they may have from their own practice or what their projection is of you and of your services. The only way to really know what you should charge your clients is to see how much confidence you have when you're positioning your pricing to your clients. So if you feel confident in saying $5,000 for your coaching fee, well, that's your coaching fee. If you feel $20,000 is more confident, $20,000 would be your fee. Your fee is a determinant of your confidence in the way you communicate your pricing. It has nothing to do with your self-worth. It has nothing to do with your services. It has nothing to do with anything except for how confident you are when you are saying your price. If your client feels that you're desperate, that you need that contract, that you are not confident in your pricing, they will invariably say no. The last thing that I would remember as a new coach, somebody who's starting out today, is that I would remember that anything great takes time and that we must slow down to the speed of life. So often we are told to hustle, work really hard to create something that will make us feel proud, make us feel good enough. But Nobody can and nothing can make you feel good enough. You are good enough right now. And you have to start believing that. And once you start believing that, you also recognize that you want to enjoy life and enjoy this journey of life as much as you want to enjoy the chase. But if the chase overpowers your joy of life in this moment, you have forgotten the point. You missed the point. So let's not miss the point. Let's stick to the point, which is to actually enjoy the journey of creating a powerful, successful coaching business that is in alignment with who you truly are. The second question that I got was from a life coach. They say, hey, 
Is it better for me to stay a life coach as broad a category or should I go niche? The way you want to really think about niche versus broad or not broad is the tighter your group of people that you talk to, the more expansive you are in that group. It doesn't mean that one day you will not have a bigger group that you will talk to. It just simply means that you're focusing all of your energy into a singular point at a given time so you can get more results with an audience a lot more deeply. To contextualize it, imagine you have 10 clients, 10 one-on-one clients at the same time. They're all going to talk to you in the next one hour, all 10 of them. And they all 10 will talk about a different thing. One is going to talk about their health. One of them is going to talk about their business. One about their relationship. One about something else. And each of these clients is going to have a different conversation with you simultaneously during that hour. How much value do you think you will be able to add to them? For that matter, do you even feel you'll be able to add any value to them considering that 10 parallel conversations happening at the same time? It's unlikely that you would have a deep, meaningful impact on all 10 of them, especially when they're talking on top of each other. That's how working in a broad niche is like. When you're working on 10 different things at the same time with no team, no co-coaches, no other people catching the ball here and there, no other training platforms, no other competence that you've built, what tends to happen is you're trying to have 10 conversations that are parallel, that are simultaneous around different things. It just is not powerful enough. Whereas if you pick one conversation and do a really good job at one time, that's when you're going to create a deep, meaningful impact with a person. That's exactly what finding a niche or choosing a niche does. It focuses your attention so you can go deeper and broader within a marketplace. It's easier for you to go, where do I find clients? It's easier for you to go engage in that client. It's easier for you to go actually have a conversation that the clients will understand because you'll use their language. It's easier for you to then actually have a great intake form for them, great conversations with them, great results for them because you know exactly who your client is, and you're consistently serving the same type of clients. Now, there will be a point in your career where you will have staff, you will have people who will work with you, you will have coaches that would be your partners or coaches that you refer out to. And then would be the time when you would say, I own this one niche, let me go to another niche. And that would be a good time for you to start another focused attention towards a niche, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then the fifth. Eventually, you are an infinite being. You are going to be able to operate in as many and all the niches you want to. But to start the party, to get yourself started in a way where you can get to profit faster, is it is always better to stay focused and stay niche so you can create results for that audience as quickly as possible, create a name for yourself in that audience as quickly as possible, and so you can reap the benefit of serving a very singular focused audience as quickly as possible. How do I remain in service to my clients rather than my own ego? You see, a lot of the times when you are a newer coach, when you're somebody who has just started your practice, you will find yourself in a situation where instead of you being in a place of serving your client, you may find yourself in a place of proving yourself to the client. This is a very common tendency, especially when you have not had built a great competence and great confidence around your coaching practice, around how you coach, what you coach on, and how much value you see for yourself and for your client in your coach-coachy relationship. One of the best ways to suspend your ego and stay present to the conversation is to lean into your natural curiosity. 
You see, when you are meeting somebody new, when you are meeting somebody where you don't know enough about that person, if you are learning a new language, if you're learning a new skill, because you don't know enough about it, you're naturally curious. If you're interested in that skill, if you're interested in that person, you're naturally leaning in, not from ego, but from curiosity, because you want to learn about the person so you can engage with the person, right? Because you're interested in the person, you're curious about that person. Because you're interested in the skill, you're curious in the skill. And that's exactly what you need to do. When you are leaning into a conversation with a client, don't go from a place of asking, how can I get this person all the answers in their life? Instead, get curious about the person. Get curious about just getting to know the person a little bit better. One of the recent conversations I had with one of my coach friends is when we were sitting down and we were talking about what is the most impactful thing that a coach can do for a client. And we both, after years of experience, have found this agreement between ourselves where we said about 70% of impact that you have with your client is letting them talk. Just letting them talk. Because most people that we interact with don't have an opportunity to talk. They don't have an opportunity to fully express. They don't have the opportunity to really have somebody deeply listen. It is so much easier for you to stay in your curiosity that got you to even get interested in being coaching than to lean into ego and suspend all of that power, give away all that power, and reduce your impact with your client. If you stay curious, you have a bigger chance of creating a more deeper, more meaningful impact with your clients. What are the three things that you wish you would have known before you started your coaching business? Three things that I wish that I knew before I started my coaching business. First, it's all about coaching mastery. If you're an extraordinary coach, money will flow. So the focus, the intention of your focus, the work that you really need to do is to become an extraordinary coach. The second thing is that you'll always be working on yourself. The more you work on yourself, the easier it will get for you to work with your clients. If you have ego come up, if your money blocks come up, if you have confidence come up, they're all going to come up in your own life. And as you work through them, as you take a deeper dive within yourself, as you're processing through them, observe that process. Because all of that process is going to be valuable when you actually work with your clients. So working on yourself is going to be the most persistent thing that you would be doing as a coach. And lastly, there is more money to be made than what you have currently imagined. Most of the coaches operate from a belief that there is a limitation, there is a lack of amount of money they can charge, amount of money they can make as a coach. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is all false. You can make as much money you want as a coach. You can have as much abundance you want as a coach. The curiosity needs to stay with, why do you want that money? What is the purpose of that money? What is it that you're creating with that money? Till the time there is purpose, there is meaning, there is some kind of relationship development that is happening between you and money, money is going to flow to you easily. The next question I have is, how can I get new clients for my coaching business? Here's the thing. The two things that you may not have observed and you have or almost all new coaches have. First is pre-existing network. Most of the coaches, when they start coaching, they think they're starting something new. And so they need to find some very new group of people that would be interested in coaching. Most of the time, you already know enough people because of your past career and your past experience that would be very good coaches for you. So you have a big network that is already available to you. You just can't see it. It's like saying when you start to be a coach, you're starting to learn a skill right now. 
That's just not true. You actually have a ton of skill that you've developed as a leader, as a parent, as a student of personal growth and transformation through all these years of your lives. So you're not really starting from zero, either in your network or in your capability to coach. You're actually starting at a good start, at a good level. And all you have to do is become really conscious and aware of where you are at and how you can tap into the network that you already have. The second thing that new coaches forget is that the key to growing your coaching business is referrals. It's your ability to deliver results to your clients so they refer you to somebody so you could work with that somebody else. How frequently does a coach sit down and write down the names of people that they've worked with and ask them through text or email, can you refer me to someone? In their own language, of course, but be able to ask for that reference, be able to ask for, hey, who do you think can help or benefit from my services? So you can get some referrals out. So people actually introduce you to friends, colleagues, people that would want to and should be working with you. But most of us don't make that effort. Most of us don't sit down with a list of people that we have worked with or people who admire us in one way or another and reach out to them and say, would you refer out my new services? When do I know what is a good time to transition from being a part-time coach to a full-time coach? The best way to know, the clearest determinant of part-time coach versus full-time coach is when you have a sense of safety. You see, there is a tier of safety that somebody needs and everybody has a different number in their head, but everybody has a number which makes them feel safe. This is the number that is usually your monthly expenses or your three-month expenses or six-month expenses. And once you have that kind of safety, that number that is being fulfilled, you can transition any career. The reason why we do not want to transition from full-time to a part-time career is because full-time career is safe. We know how much money we're going to make up by putting how much effort. If you want to make your part-time career a full-time career, start making as much money in your part-time career as you make in your full-time career for at least three months. It'll give you a sense of safety. It'll give you a sense of security. And once you have a sense of safety and security, it'll become easier for you to transition. It'll become easier for you to move on to the next thing that you really want to pursue. Another way to really know if you can turn off your full-time career and move to a part-time career is to also ask what is the recurring income that you have now in your business. How many clients have you pre-booked? Is there a wait list for your clients? Have you booked clients two months, three months out? If that is the case, you will find again that you have a sense of security and so it's easier for you to transition from one type of career to another type of career. Now, there is always an odd case of people, individuals that love high risk. Now, it is a personal choice and you can take the high risk and then anytime is a good time to transition careers, but it is advisable always for more certainty of success, that you transition careers when you're safe. How do I hit $10,000 months every single month? Well, there are three very simple steps. Step one is to identify what is the pricing of your packages. So is your package a $1,000 package, is it a $10,000 package, $3,000 package? If once you know how much is your package, ask yourself how many clients do you need to be able to hit $10,000 a month? For example, if your package is $3,000, you need about three and a half clients, let's say four clients, to be able to hit $12,000 a month because four clients at $3,000 give you $12,000. And that's the average number of people that you need to enroll every single month. That means every week you need one client. What now you have to ask, and this is the most important question, is how much activity of enrollment I need to have to be able to enroll one client every week or four clients a month. 
activity of enrollment is how many people do I have to reach out to? How many enrollment conversations will I have? And what is my percentage of enrollment? So how many people I need to reach out to? How many enrollment conversations will I have? And what is the percentage of enrollment conversation I enroll into? So for example, if you need one enrollment client, it might mean you need to start 10 conversations that will give you five enrollment calls. And out of five enrollment calls, you convert one, which is about 20% conversion. So that would mean you need to engage in 10 dialogues. Five people need to come on an enrollment conversation with you. One needs to say yes for every week for you to be able to hit $10,000 a month. So it's fairly rational, fairly pragmatic, fairly practical. And if you write it down practically like that and approach it like that, it'll make it much easier for you to actually hit $10,000 because what tends to happen is when we are thinking about $10,000, it's very overwhelming because let's say you have not able to make that right now in your coaching business ever, you would feel like that's an impossible goal. Versus if I told you, will you be able to make five outreaches or 10 outreaches this week? That seems fairly easy. 10 outreaches over seven days is 10 email or text messages. You can identify such people, reach out to them. Then you can say out of these 10, five are willing to talk to me. You can have five conversations. That's again, very doable. Out of five, you have to enroll one. Now that seems much easier to do in a scope of a week versus generate $10,000 by the end of the month. So what we are really doing by this practice is we are cascading. We are making it easy and doable every step of the way instead of feeling overwhelmed and concerned about the overall goal that we need to achieve. What are some of the most common mistakes businesses make when they're going from six to seven figures? The number one mistake that coaches make when they are going from six to seven figures is they think they can do it all. They started their business, they got it to six figures by themselves. That is more likely than not the story of every six-figure entrepreneur. They were them in a VA or maybe one or two people that were helping them out with different things. And that's how they got to their six figures. They made the website, they did the enrollment call, they made the packages, they did everything. And now they think they can get to the seven figures doing the same thing. And that is one of the biggest mistakes that you would make. Going from six figures to seven figures is a game of two to three really good team people, individuals that you can bring onto your team to do things that you may have become good at, but you don't necessarily enjoy. So say, for example, you might be really good at supporting your clients with technical issues, but you may not enjoy it. So maybe hire for that. Maybe you're really good at enrolling people, but you do not enjoy sales calls. Well, hire for that. Maybe you're really good at designing the covers for your Instagram posts, but you don't really enjoy that hire somebody for it. Hire people who are good at something and enjoy doing it too. And these are items that you maybe are good at now, but you don't really enjoy doing it. So to go from six to seven figures, you have to ask a different question. To go from six to seven figures, you have to ask the question of how can I leverage my greatest strengths? Not how can I do the most work. It's not about how many hours you work. It's not about none of that. The only thing it is about is how can I be only doing what I'm really, really good at and I really, really enjoy? Because if you're really good at it and you really enjoy it, you're going to do a phenomenal job at it. And that might be your bleeding edge in your business that will get you from six to seven figures. Listen, I love answering these type of questions from my community. If you have a question that you would like to get answered here on the Master Coaching with Ajit podcast, go over to mastercoaching.com and submit a podcast query. And soon enough, I'll be answering that question right here on Master Coaching with Ajit podcast. Now, 
if you've been listening to this episode and many such episodes that have been transformative for you, I encourage you to hit that follow button. Follow this podcast so you can get a latest update every single week as we post a new episode that would inspire you and will help you become a better coach. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Coach Ajit and you're listening to Master Coaching with Ajit.